Welcome to the video podcast Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed, where truth and unity matter. Take the deep dive with highly influential voices in and around the 9-11 truth movement. And welcome, everybody, back to Richard Gage, 9-11 Unleashed. And hello, Gail. Hello, Richard. And hello, everybody else. Hey, we've had quite a, a week. It's been really incredible. We've had interviews. We've had um, uh, progress on the film, 9-11 Crime Scene to Courtroom. Uh, and we've got a guest today that's got a lot of mystery uh, that he's uh, pulled up from deep under the ruins of the World Trade Center. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but uh, Gail, how has it uh, been going for you this week? What are you excited about? Oh, well, it's been a really busy week already. It's only Tuesday, but a really good one. We had a really wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope that everyone out there mm -hmm. also did. Yeah. Today, you had an awesome interview, a very exciting interview with Jason Goodman, um, probably a lot of you have heard of Jason and have listened to his videos. He's um, an independent journalist with Crowdsource the Truth, and that's his YouTube channel, I believe. So he interviewed Richard and then the um, couple of the LC 9-11 board members, uh, Mick Harrison and Christina Borgeson. And one of the things that they talked about was this exciting film that they're all that, that we're making the, mm -hmm. uh, from uh, Crime Scene to Courtroom. Very exciting. And just a little spoiler, Richard kind of, um, uh, how would you say it? He kind of spilled the beans on Spike Lee. <laughs> but to hear that, to hear what he said, you need to watch the video. So Jason will have the video up on his YouTube channel. And we've also put it on Richard Gage, um, the YouTube channel, the both of his uh, Facebook pages and Twitter and LinkedIn. So yeah. you, and can you know go what we forgot to do, Gail, is we forgot to publish that on our website. Oh. So uh, we'll do that uh, as soon as we're off this webinar, right? Yes, yes, we will. Um, and but so if you yeah. go to uh, listen to this, though, uh, Richard Gage 911.substack.com. You can watch it there. Richard Gage, 911.substack.com. Okay. So, yeah, watch the video. Watch the um, video there with Jason Goodman and Richard and the two from Lawyers Committee. And let's see. Oh, I was um, informed that today is Giving Tuesday, which is a day to give to your favorite educational charity. And we're hoping that we are your favorite. So uh, if you're looking for a place to uh, donate, we will be very happy to be um, your favorite one. Yeah, this is a nationally recognized it's not a holiday. It's not a holiday. <laughs> it's, a, it, 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 it's a way for you to give. Uh, it's the opposite of Black Friday. You spend on Black Friday. Oh. Whatever you haven't spent, you want to go to richardgage911.org and donate the rest. That's it's what an, you it's an actual, 
it's an official thing. It's an official day. So yeah, yeah I didn't so, know that. Um, we're going to take advantage of that by uh, asking you to support us. Now, while we're not a, an official nonprofit, uh, we are most definitely uh, an educational organization uh, dedicated to getting the truth out there about 9-11. We don't have, we don't sell stuff on our website, do we, Gil? No, we don't. But we could, and we might have to, if we don't get the level of support that we're looking for. And by the way, we're talking $7 a month. Uh, and so you can support us at that level. Uh, and there's another level above that. You can support us that too. And that's right on our website, which is what, Gail? <laughs> RichardGage911.org. Absolutely. Now, before we bring in our guest, um, oh, wait. Now, let's bring on our guest first, and then you can tell people how to ask questions, because they're going to have a lot of questions of this guest, <laughs> whose name is Lawrence Fine with 9-11 Synthesis. Hey, what are those deep holes in the bedrock underneath the World Trade Center? And this is World Trade Center Building 4 in particular, but not exclusive mm. to 4. Are the geologist reports correct that call them Plasticine or Ice Age plunge pools and potholes? I think it's Pleistocene or Pleistocene. I can't. I'm not a geologist. <laughs> uh, but we have one listening, and he's going to write in with some questions and hopefully some answers. Uh, in fact, um, Bill, if if you make sure you're on YouTube, uh, Bill Brandon, he's a he's a friend of Lawrence's, and he was going to be on the show tonight, but uh, we had a technical issue. So, but he's online, either at Facebook or YouTube. So when he sees questions coming at him, he can actually answer them. Gail will pick up both the questions and the answers from Bill, and we'll get them to you. Okay, I got more questions. Are these holes that are 40-foot spheroid cavities 12,000 years old, or are they only 20 years old, i.e. made at the time of the destruction of the World Trade Center, which we already know there was extreme heat there that the official narrative won't even come clean about. We've been trying for 15 years. We we know. Now, why were these discovered uh, after 9-11 during the excavation, but not before the, the uh, building of the World Trade Center? You know, these buildings went topped out at 1973 excavation, late 60s. So uh, they, they could have had... Um, uh, uh, they, they could have found them then. Look at look at these things. Uh, we're we're going to get to it in a moment. Uh, my guest on Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed is 9-11 researcher Lawrence Fine, the creator of 9-11 Synthesis. In 2019, he fell headlong into the seemingly bottomless pit deep in the World Trade Center bedrock. And he's been trying ever since to pull me in also. I have to admit that it's a fascinating mystery. And so I'm going to pull you down into it with us tonight. Geologist Cheryl Moss at Mooser Rutledge Consulting Engineers and Charles 
Merguerian at Hofstra University point to large basins with water slides that were scoured out and filled with densely packed clay and silt on top of rounded polished, pol polished boulders. Gail, you might have to go on mute. Um, I'm, I'm hearing something there. And it might be you, I'm not sure, but just try muting. The cause of this phenomena, according to these engineers, water erosion with whirlpools during an ice age melt. But Lawrence suspects extreme heat as the cause of the erosion of the bedrock and that they were formed on 9-11. He notes that the basins were not shown on the pre-9-11 geological survey, only on the post-geological survey. We'll get to the bottom of that. Was there some extreme heat event then on 9-11 which caused the erosion? If so, then why would the erosion be under World Trade Center 4, which was not destroyed like World Trade Center 1, 2, and 7? Let's explore this mystery deeper on Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed Tonight. Lawrence joined the Air Force as an aircraft B-52 ground mechanic. He then applied himself at various machine shops, becoming a machine maintenance technician for Honeywell. He then designed and constructed world-class recording studios with Michael Blackmer. Music is a passion for Lawrence, and he plays multiple instruments, writing and performing music in several bands at the same time. He then worked as the senior exhibit maintenance technician at the Boston Museum of Science, then as consultant and designer for a magical tech, techno imagination company called Technofrolics. Then on his own as consultant, designer, fabricator of precision prototypes, now he's tinkering with designs from his rocket stoves and, of course, 9-11 synthesis and the deep basins of the World Trade Center. Without further ado, let me bring on Mr. Lawrence Fine. Hey, Lawrence. Hey, Richard. You doing great? Doing all right. I'm uh, really appreciating your invitation. Thank you. <laughs> great. Thank you for sure. Great to have you here. Finally, we've been working on this for, what, a couple of years at least. Yeah. About two, uh, two. I haven't been working on it. We've been working on getting you here. Now, before... I've been working you a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, now, if you could come closer, um, we would be able to see your lovely face as close as you possibly can. Look at that. He does have a face. And he does have a voice also. Um, but before we ask Lawrence his first our first question, let's find out how you can ask Lawrence questions. Gail, how does that work? So what you folks do is on all the social media, well, not all, but Facebook and um, YouTube, we're going to try to figure out why LinkedIn and Twitter don't work yet. But um, so in the comment section below the video, go ahead and type in your question. It comes up in a little box here beside the um, video. So you, I take your questions and I copy them over so that Richard can see them and our guest. And then I read them out loud and then they'll answer the questions. But remember that I... Sometimes I'm not able to get all of the questions. So if I don't get yours, please know that it's it's just because I wasn't able to. Um, and we will work on getting your question answered. So just send over your questions and we'll make sure they get answered. Perfect. 
Well, thank you, Gail. And uh, we'll put you um, in the background and we'll be ready for you when we get to Q&A. Gail's going to keep an eye on things, make sure that we don't have any technical glitches and so forth. And thank you so much for that. My lovely wife and assistant, without whom we could not even have Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. So we are grateful to you, my dear. She works all day and she comes home and helps me make these podcasts. And then she goes on social media. She is a workhorse for 9-11 Truth. <laughs> You're so all right. Sweet. We're going to put you out of commission. We'll see you real shortly. <laughs> and there she goes. Lawrence, how did you learn about the, what really happened at the World Trade Center and when? Uh, well, I was suspicious for the longest time. I just had no um, interest until I saw that building uh, number seven going down and then came to see you at the Unitarian Church in Harvard Square. Uh, back in uh, around 2005. And that's that's when this end of the research opened up. Cool. Well, um what what um so so what was it like? I mean emotionally, what what happened to you what, when you became aware of this or were you already a conspiracy theorist? No, uh I had a weird experience on the morning of uh, 9/11 and uh was very influential in the next five years, the way that I, you know, the way that I felt about being, you know, connected to 9-11. So when I saw you in Harvard Square, uh, this weirdness, I won't say that it went away. I have a really, you know, good memories of it, but um, it wasn't like- I'm not like, responsible for the weirdness. No, you're, 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 you were really helpful in, in having that strange experience dissipate and become much less of an influence on me. But- uh, then I became really interested in the mechanics of, of what occurred on mine on 9-11. All right. So what what um what happened next? What did you do with the information you got? What was your transformation like, or was there one? Over the years, um, I just studied other researchers' analysis, and I, I would always go back to the uh, uh, news. A broadcast, you know, the, the footage or whatever it's called now with uh, digital uh, recording, uh, the newscasts of the day, uh, eyewitnesses uh, giving testimony. And uh, then I started being really selective about who I felt I could be listening to for uh, information that I needed to work with to to do my... To, actually, I did have some foregone conclusions and I was looking for witnesses that supported those. All right. Well, how did you get into this uh, deep morass under the World Trade Center aftermath? What happened and when and why? Uh, why but it must be around why. 10, around 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago, that I started looking at, at images of the site after the buildings, after the, the uh, steel had been removed from the site and noticing these anomalies in the bedrock. Uh, and wondering why are they there and what were they for? Uh, what created them? I started finding more images and came across the images of building num uh, of the cavities that were uh, discovered beneath building number four and had one of those moments when my head just exploded. 
Um, even more, uh, once I discovered the uh, topographical mapping of the site, the pre and post, um, that was on a prodding from uh, David Meiswinkle, by the way, who oh, gave with me the that lawyers' name. committee for a 9 11 inquiry. Yes. Okay. Um, during that time, I was saying, where are those holes? And I, I was going back and forth with the lawyers' committee. Do you have any information that you can share? Uh, and he popped off. Of, the only thing I ever really heard from him was uh, contact Ms. Moss. So I Googled Ms. Moss 9-11 and came up with the, with the website that I lifted those reports off of. Who is Ms. Seen, Moss? Uh, go ahead, Richard. Who is Ms. Moss? She's one of the geologists, uh, Cheryl Moss, on the, on the uh, report that uh, you, the, the geological uh, survey, the, the geologist report, she was one of the principals that, re, that uh, wrote that. Oh, okay. Cheryl, Cheryl Moss. Cheryl Moss. Is it Cheryl Moss? Yeah, Cheryl J. Moss, Muser Rutledge Consulting Engineers, right. Okay. So, what do you think, Lawrence? Um, you, you, you got pulled into it. Shall we look? If it's the survey that you got pulled into, shall we look at that? Well, let me preface it by saying that I had looked at it around two years before. I had oh. seen that report, and I had overlooked it. I'm not sure why, because I love reading technical documents. But indeed, I became more enchanted with the the images of the uh, the textures and colors of the surface of the rock. So uh, I just ignored it. So what you've got here, Richard, is uh, this is the post. Uh, Survey. If you click on that, that'll bring you to the pre. Yeah, there you go. Um, so this is this is the World Trade Center as it was before 9-11. Yep. And overlaid, uh, it looks like over World Trade Center 4, which is not one of the Twin Towers, but right next yep. to the South Tower, WTC2. We see what? You're looking at a, a topographic survey that was done after the uh, east bathtub had been, you know, excavated, they had formed the slurry walls. You know, they dug down and 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 done their forming uh, using earth. The um, cavity, you know, this this space was excavated, and this is the what they discovered before uh, they started doing adjustments in the topograph. Uh, topography in order to flatten it for the uh, building that was to go on. You can see that there's a funny looking uh, a thing snaking from the low center of the of the picture. Yeah, uh, it looks like up. it crosses Liberty Street. Yep. And then this orange and 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 uh, and that green be, line, which is the dividing uh, line of the yeah. two bathtubs, is that yep, what it is? I believe that that is correct, Richard. Because there was an east and a west bathtub, and my question to you is, um, uh, what's on either side of of this bathtub? On the right, is is there no parking garage? But on the left, there is. No, um, I don't. I've never seen uh, schematics of the plans of the lower levels, and that's something that would be wonderful to have subpoenaed uh, you know, through the Freedom of Information Act by the Lawyers Committee to find out what 
indeed their uh, what the bed, the condition of the bedrock was after they built the building, because I know that they had to flatten it. And you can see that in subsequent uh, images, the uh, the rises and falls under the slurry wall, and then the adjustments that they did uh, to to level these you know, humps. Uh, but you know, the humps still exist underneath the slurry wall. You know, the rises in the bedrock. Okay, so you're saying that there's this valley. Right, that's called a till-fill, they call it in the report, the till-filled valley. The till would be the uh, any glacial debris that was deposited into this low spot as the glacier was scouring the surface. And they found this before they built World Trade Center 4. Right. Uh, apparently, that was the survey they did after excavating, so they knew what they had to work with, what they had to remove to flatten it, where they were going to be removing more material and where they might want to do some fill. All right. And it looks like it goes right under World Trade Center 4. So it also, uh, does, yeah, it also uh, uh, goes underneath the slurry wall. Yeah. yeah beneath Liberty Street. Yeah. And that's an, you know, looking at the post when we get to it. And I think I sent you the um, pre and post, just the standalone uh, graphics that uh, once we get to the post survey, it would be really good to be able to see some of the details more clearly. Okay. But let's let's make sure we understand this first. Yep. Now, uh, I see numbers here in, in about 200, 240, I think, yep. 250. Uh, that's like at the level, it looks like there was a hill here. Yeah, right that across the street. Hill. That's, that's, that valley, uh, they measured down to the valley. You can actually, you know, if you really get a close-up, and, and we have a close-up of that, they shaded it to show that it was essentially a till fill. They were measuring down to loose fill. So they had to fill up uh, that valley to make that street then, or does the parking uh, uh, Most structure? likely, I would imagine that that valley was, uh, was filled uh before they poured any lower, uh, you know, before they leveled the, uh, as part of the leveling and, and uh, the first level, you know, the, what you would call bedrock level, you know, in the sub-basement. <coughs> All right, so this is, Liberty Street was filled and, and they had to fill over this valley because uh, I don't know if, if World Trade Center 4 has a parking structure under it, if it does, then those columns would go all the way down to the bedrock, which they had to level out somehow. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, now, what's this hill? Is that a hill or another valley? Yeah, that, oh, that is a hill. That is a hill. Uh, you can see, you know, when we get the uh, uh, the image, you know, not the overlay, but the, the, the raw image up, you should be able to hopefully uh, magnify it so that we can see more details in it. Okay, so that's not a hole. That is a that is a hill next to a valley, right? And and this uh, survey was taken presumably in the mid '60s, before, yes. obviously before the foundations were built yes. or designed. Okay, so yes. now we're going to go forward, right? Yeah. And tell us what we're seeing here. What you're seeing uh, right around the number four you're seeing the bottom of one of the cavities and uh, just underneath the, and outside the. Um, well, when you say cavities, right. I tell you what, I, I, I'm going to show people what we're talking about here first. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Richard. T tell us what these are 
and, and what the geologist says they are? Well, I went on to uh, a geology a group on Facebook and I posted some of these images. And one of the people uh, responded with that is anatexy. So I looked up anatexy and it has to do with uh, the surface essentially becoming uh, damaged by, uh, destroyed by uh, extraordinarily high temperatures. I had a friend who was a, a granite sculptor who used to carve with a oxyacetylene torch or an acetylene torch where he would heat the surface and uh, and brush off, you know, it would break off at the surface. So essentially, that's what I was seeing in this area here was this crystalline sort of coarse, broken surface and very clean, which reminded me of the um, the surface of his sculptures. Well, how deep are these these spheroid cavities? According to the um, uh, topography of of this, the, the topography has a cross section, which uh, you can see that they're forty feet deep below the sur the original surface in the cross section. Um, and we'll go back to that sure. in just and, a minute, but. Yeah. So, so the, these were found when and how? Well, uh, if we once we go to the 9/11 synthesis website, uh, there's a whole series of uh, pictures that uh, you know graphic uh, sequence of excavation. So you can see that there were a couple of, um, well, you call it sinkholes. There, you know, what had been flat uh, bedrock granite now had uh, two. Uh, ponds uh, in it. Uh, you can see that there, the the walls of the ponds were very much like the um, uh, the bedrock that you can see in the upper left hand corner of uh, the image that you have on screen, Richard. That old oxidized surface. Uh -huh. You know the upper left hand picture of your image. Uh, yes, up in that area there. Yeah. Yeah, and as you go down, you notice that things are frat, you know, become more fractured. Those, okay, I'm going to let, I'm going to, can you get that circle any smaller? No, not okay. right now. Okay. Well, that's uh, a good so point. Your cursor would work too. I, I'm going to work on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you my cursor. Hold on. Okay. And I've got your website here yeah, now. That's a good, that, yeah, I'm, I'm riding along with you and I'll answer any questions and go anywhere that you want to go on this one. Okay, and and so this is this is uh, Lawrence's website, which is too long to mention. Uh, but you, if you Google nine one one synthesis, it should it should, you'll, you'll you'll end up finding. And uh, Susan, or you know, some I think that she's probably watching. She could put the link in the chat if anyone's interested. Oh yeah, that would be great. Um, and then Gail can uh, add it, but. Um, these are photos of, of this hole. So the, the, this hole was found while they were excavating, after they had excavated the debris from the collapse or, or, and or removal of, and or destruction of all of these World Trade Center buildings. So they found a hole in here, what, a year after 9-11 or something? Yeah, around a year, once they started getting concentrating on that bathtub to, to remove the material. And, and this is a, just a huge hole in the ground. Um, and uh, we can see that the, the, the uh, 
weathering seems unusual. Yes, call it and weathering. What do the geologists uh, suggest that caused this? Uh, well, the geologist said it's anatexy. I googled anatexy and uh, anatexis, anatexy, and it talks about the surface of uh, a metamorphic rock that has been exposed to extraordinarily high temperatures. Um, essentially saying that there was a magma that was contained by this, you know, this cauldron, this uh, crucible. I have to describe it as a crucible at this point because uh, rock probably became at least plastic out to the boundary layer where that final fracture uh, due to the temperature occurred and, and why it's so well contained and so well formed. We're considering the resistance of certain elements and certain compounds in, in the bedrock. Well, um, I looked through the geology report. Yeah. I'm trying to find uh, from the emails that you sent me. And I had it up here a second, I mean, yesterday. And um, it's they, also the one I sent you today. Oh, uh, it's is it on your website here? Uh, I don't know. I yeah. will put it on there if I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, the, what was I going to say? The, um, the, what they were talking about was whirlpools and, yeah. and, uh, and, and erosion by water during a glacial ice age melt. Yes. Now, are you saying anatexy? Uh, it, it is that, or are you saying anatexy is extremely hot uh, erosion, and, and are they saying anatexy? You know, uh, the, geology, the geologic report uh, speaks of uh, hydro, you know, hydromechanical erosion. They, um, again, whirlpools and, and uh, plunge pools. And, and you are suggesting something else, which is yeah. anatexy. Yeah. Well, okay. anatech, yeah, the surface description, um, there's another uh, term that I went back on, and uh, metamorphism, metamorphism is another term that has to do with, you know, how rock deforms or um, disassociates its, its compounds, uh, crystalline structure is essentially fractured out to that, out to that layer, you know, melted, and then that final uh, boundary um where you can essentially like brush this um material away that's still you know adhering to the surface they, they went through this with power washers and they washed down the walls and created a beautiful gray slurry which they pumped out um they also talk about their even though their hypothesis said uh, hydrostat you know hydromechanical erosion they didn't they made notes that they couldn't find any evidence of a flow, you know, either entrance or exit for flow that would have caused uh, certain more predictable patterns uh, in you know, flow erosion rather than something that appears to me to have been a centralized source of heat that expanded out to these boundary layers and stopped, you know, uh, stopped melting or plasticizing the the bedrock at that point and so this is the you know these are the cavities that were formed by that in my opinion well and, and um 
have you spoken to geologists uh, about this? Is there any corroboration in the opinion that extreme heat uh, could have uh, or did cause this erosion? Bill is the only geologist that I know right now. Uh, and I'm sorry that he was unable to join us. He's also skeptical, and I'm, I'm glad that he is because... Uh, skeptical you know, of what? Well, of my presentation, that oh. he, he, he does sympathize, but he's not fully on board yet with uh -huh. saying, I think that he thinks I've got something, but um, is unwilling to commit, which, you know, and say, yeah, I, I really believe that this is what happened. Okay. Um, now, uh, so... We, I, I wish I had that geology report. You emailed it, but uh, actually, can I get it? I, I should be able to get it here. Yeah, um, tell us what we're looking at here. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna get that geology report because I think it's real important. It is. I mean, uh, people don't know what they're looking at a lot of the time, especially when you know, a situation like this comes up that nobody's ever really seen before. Uh huh. And how to. Yeah, that I believe that that was the first, one of the first tour of the tour. The, the one that's showing up on the left of the screen is uh, not just seeing the large cavity, but seeing the uh, the different striations. I did learn uh, that Manhattan uh, schist essentially uh, was laid flat, you know, during the formation of the you know, of, of the world, and sometime in the uh, um, plate movement, the um, schist got turned on its edge <laughs> so that we're looking, what we're looking at here is like looking down on something that was a metamorphic or a layer formed uh, bedrock. Uh -huh. So uh, yeah, that's why I'm really glad that Bill has come on because we, we I've really enjoyed studying more about geology. It's become a science that I've become much more interested in since I started studying these. Well, what specifically about this gives you the idea that it was formed by heat? Um, well, once we look at the post-9-11 uh, geological survey, uh, the one that's uh, like in coral colors, then I could really give you a good indication. of. Well, uh, not just that, but looking at the surface uh, textures and colors in this image here, uh -huh. uh, the uh, clean the lack of any aged oxides, it looks like to me, it looks to me as though the surface was newly exposed and not buried or not under all this other stuff that is aged and has a patina of age and shows its oxides. Um, I would expect any, if it were a cavity that were filled in, that it would show the, the characteristics of what was above it. Hmm. And in another opinion. Yeah. Well, let's look at, uh, let's go back to the, what do we, oh, the, 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 uh, the Facebook page here. Yep. Let's, um, let's see if I can zoom in a little bit more. Oh, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Now that image is okay. That's much. That's good. Um, 
if you can scroll it up just a little bit. Oh, you're dreaming now. Now look. There we go. There we go. Uh, even up, okay, yeah, right about there is good because that reveals both the uh, topographic and the cross section. Um, those two. Yeah, let me explain to, to folks because um, I'm a Boy Scout, or I was <laughs> many, many years ago. You read maps, Richard. <laughs> here's, here's what I learned each one of these lines, uh, they're, 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 they're designating a particular elevation. Yes. So it's if you walk along any one of these lines, they you will be level. Yep. So obviously, if you cross one of these lines, you're either going uphill or downhill. Yep. Now these are valleys. So if you if you go from here to here, and I'll do that with my cursor, uh, from here down to here, you're going to be going down about forty feet, right, Lorenzo? That's absolutely correct, Richard. Yes. Okay. And Lorenzo and Lawrence, they're synonymous, right? Yes, I'm the same. <laughs> he and I are good friends. <laughs> um, and so what you have is a line cutting right through both of these deep valleys, 40-foot deep valleys. Yes. And that line uh, is a cross-section. So here you're at street level uh, all the way up here. And and uh, if you walk too far, you will fall 40 feet down into this pit. Yes. And um, – and uh, if if that was uh, twelve thousand years ago, you you would be eroded along with the rock <laughs> at this point, according to the geologist. They could carbon date you. <laughs> they could carbon date you exactly. And if you uh, did that, um, uh, say twenty years ago uh, on the day of nine eleven, uh, what would be happening to you then, Lawrence? Oh, if you were to fall into it, yeah. On what day? On uh, 9-11, the morning. Well, uh, I don't think that you would be able to fall into it first About of all. About 10 o'clock. <laughs> well, um, yeah, right. This is down below the parking structure. And uh, and the bottom level of the basement, uh, uh, apparently um, something was... is creating the under building four. Something is creating these uh, in, in holes, yeah. according to your theory. So talk about that theory. All right. So first of all, let's take a look at the picture. There's a horizontal black line that goes across just a, uh, at the top of that. At the oh, top up of the above? Section. Go up uh, to uh, – there's a horizontal black line that at the top of that image. I believe you, but I'm trying to get there. Okay. It's not behaving. Your cursor is not is – not, I've oh, lost control over my computer. Okay. Well, <laughs> I can I can uh, just describe it then. There's a horizontal black line going across the top of the screen, uh, uh, about a, th a quarter of the way down into the cross section of the image. Uh, the left, there's a. Oh, dark you're talking about this? Oh, yeah, that. this line right here. Yep. Oh, okay. Now there's that overhang ledge. They call it uh, overhangs. Uh, to the left of that cavity, which appears to be lifted up, and that would be called upheaval. Uh, and then there's the uh, that section, that dark shaded section uh, to the right of the cavity that has uh, descended into the cavity. Um, that 
both of those used to share that same black line as their surface. Both of those would have You're talking been, about this black line. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Richard. They were filled, uh, according to the geologists, with a dense clay and silt uh, with boulders also, which have all been removed um, now. But you're saying uh, this was the level of the of the basement at one t at, at, during the during the construction. Uh, yes, that would have been uh, what they essentially. I mean, you could see uh, during this excavation of that site that the uh, bedrock had been. Uh, formed into a level platform, either okay. by cutting away or by uh, filling uh, valleys. But they found a depression then? No, that's, uh, well, you're looking at uh, what they, uh, the report that they did after they removed all of the fill and the overhangs, by the way. Right, but how did they find the holes? Because they were filled with stuff. Did they find a depression, a sinkhole of some kind? From yes, this level? Uh, going back to the top of the... Um, 9-11 synthesis website on the deep on the uh, uh, <clears throat> ground zero page those first images are of the of the um, discovery so right here Richard this is what they found when they had removed everything this is I'm pointing at it like I have control so I'm gonna, <laughs> uh, you can go to the one on the left and that would be uh, the hole closest to the, I believe that's the east slurry wall. Okay. Um, go to the next one, and that shows the same, uh, the one on the right now. That one is the same image, but now you're seeing that there is another hole uh, closer to us, which would have been, the. I believe that that is to the west. So there's these the, the one far away from us, I believe, is on the east east side and the one nearest us would be the what they discovered on the west side um so, so this is before they dug them out that's before they dug them out yeah oh okay you can see the condition of the oh yeah i mean that was these were not present in the as any kind of ponds or sinkholes in the pre uh in the pre-construction geological survey that um, surface was recorded as bedrock. The stuff that is no longer there was recorded as bedrock in the pre-construction uh, topography. Well, if it's bedrock, they can't dig it with an excavator. Um, no. And so it either wasn't bedrock and they dug it with an excavator or something happened to the bedrock to make it look like this. On 9-11. So the sequence of images as close as, and this is all interpolated. Um, this is showing the discovery. There, You can also see that they're drilling core samples around it. And those are something that uh, should be entered into the uh, evidence, uh, should be subpoenaed under the Freedom of Information Act if that's the only way to get at them. But that would tell you what, essentially what is down below. And it would probably have a, material in it that would indicate uh what kind of either chemical or whatever you know whatever the the reaction uh whether it be chemical or otherwise that uh well, that heat. this is private property i don't think we can get a foia request on silverstein properties well we can't do that but we can for the core samples if they're stored 
the oh, you mean when it was Port Authority, which is a public agency, those records from 1960s. Well, yeah, that and that would I mean that would be part of the geological survey. Uh, they want to see how deep they can go uh, with with footings. I had a good conversation with Bill the other day about uh, he was doing core drilling uh, today, I believe. He said he was out in the field uh, drilling, you know, doing core drills. So what that blue truck in the in the second uh, image, the, the one to the right, um, that blue that's a, a truck that's doing core drilling. They're 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 drilling, uh, you know, probably around four inch. Uh, they got a like a pipe with a diamond uh, uh, abrasive on the tip, and they're able to drill into the uh, bedrock and come up with a sample of what they you know what fills that uh, core drill. Yeah. So they, there is evidence there um, that you know should be on record in New York. I would hope. So if heat caused these holes. Um, how, how did that happen? I don't have that answer. Um, but I can, if we look, uh, at the post, uh, the post geological survey, what I, what I have, uh, analyzed is that, you know, because they are spheroid and there are two of them and they're very identical as far as they're, they bought them bottoming out at 40 feet not identical in shapes and i'm not really sure exactly how they how accurately they surveyed these because i see all these sharp lines and angles rather than so i'm thinking that those are probably just the points that they surveyed from because they you know it's a it, it, it the forms themselves appear to be more sculpted than than sharp like this but you know, again this is a technical drawing that shows the depth and a basic form yeah, good point. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, what would you call that? Interpolation? Interpolation, yes. So um, what we could do would be to interpolate and say, yeah, the line between there and there might be curved out a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. So um, any other reasons that you suspect heat that you haven't told us yet? Uh, looking up at the cross section, uh, that, right. Uh, to me, that's a telltale because measuring across the cavity from left to right at its widest point, uh, using the scale that they included, I just sort of uh, you know made a mark on the scale at uh, 40 feet and turned it on its side and laid it against the uh, uh, cavity in a horizontal position, about 40 feet also. So the form itself uh, is very indicative of uh, having a central point of uh, heat uh -huh. uh, that radiated outward and <clears throat> created the form. You know, it's, you know, there was enough heat to go out that far. There was a lot of resistance by different, like there was pegamatite and schist in this area. So the different, you know, the different uh, uh, compounds, the different um, rock uh, types would have different melting points and even inside the rock uh, the way that they were layered and again remember that this schist appears to have been turned on its edge uh, during the formation of the manhattan peninsula um, it was formed like this in layers 
and then turned on its edge. So you can see these different layers with different uh, minerals in them. Those are what I believe gave the, uh, in the image that we were looking at first, those lines that look more like troughs or flow images. You can see that part of them is a, a much lighter color and part of them is gray. The lighter color appears to have been resistant to the heat and allowed that, you know, form when the glass was formed, that this is where the, the uh, essentially the heat was able to cause this section of rock to deform, but not this. So it left these ridges or these what appear to be channels in the bottom. If you want to go back to that at some point, it's another detail that I pay a lot of attention to that um, if anyone has any questions, I'd be glad to get into it. Yeah. Is that on the website, Lawrence? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Because I've got that right here. Up or down? Uh, for now, uh, up. I meant down. Sorry. Um, look at the other. The, the, uh, the original, the top picture would be the one we're looking at. Uh, the, oh, actually, this one here is good. This one here is very good, too. Okay. Yeah, this big one. The one that down a little bit further, I mean, up, whatever. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Which way are we going? Um, you can see what I'm talking about anyway with the light colored veins that are running sort of from the far end toward us and uh, right down here. like this. Yeah, actually, over to the, yeah, anywhere that you can see them, but over to the right, you can see a fairly well defined run. Uh, right, yeah. right in that general area there, and even further over, there's a good definition. It has to do with being wet, too, I'm sure. Uh, but going right into the uh, far end center, where you see these what appear to be troughs or sluices down. What's the a sluice? Yeah, right. Yeah, those that whole area right there where you see low areas and and ridges. Yeah, right, right where you were, right in the center. Yeah, uh, where those pools of water, you can see at the bottom is like muddy water, a little pool of muddy water, and then another little pool. Those are uh, trenches, you know, there's sort of sluices that are, you know, like side by side that have trapped water at the bottom. And there's a high point that uh, separates them. And that would have been the, the stone or the, the um, composition that was more resistant to heat, in my opinion. Okay. There's a lot of, you can also see that, there, that, that there's a lot of fracturing going on. What you're seeing is... Uh, Up here? Yes. Uh, you can see the original bedrock where it had been open to the uh, elements at, uh, at point in time, where the oxides are very evident, the iron oxides in the, that are uh, apparent in the surface by the, red, you know, the reddish-brown colors, and then the new chipping just above the, uh, that would have been where one of the uh, overhangs was that they had to remove in order to uh, prepare the cavity for the new building number four. Yeah, let's let's go to that. You, what, I think what you're saying, where did it go? Um, oh, Facebook. Um, what you're saying is that these overhangs are not safe for, a bearing, a building bearing situation, a foundation. Yeah, the, so the judgment of the uh, of the uh, engineers was that the potential for that large one on the left and the one on the the small one that was actually went into the cavity after the uh, the event, uh, that they would have not been safe to build on because they were just not stable. Yeah, exactly, not stable. They're not, so part, they, not not part of the bedrock, not part of the, and there was not large enough to to attach to 
as a, okay. as a really large uh, peer or foundation. <clears throat> I imagine that they thought of a lot and said, we got to get rid of that. Yeah, that's got to go. That's gotta well, go. one of the most puzzling aspects of this, whether somebody like me, if this is indeed heat caused these pool, these spheroid cavities 40 feet yeah. deep, um, I would be inclined to suggest that it might have been thermite, which we have yep. lots of evidence for, right? Yeah, um, I remember my first conversation with you. But we don't have the world. We don't have World Trade Center for uh, collapsing or demolishing. Uh, so uh, we don't have. I'm not aware of any evidence of extreme heat at World Trade Center four which is right over the top of these pools. Yeah. I'm very aware of World Trade Center 2 and 1. So one question is, I mean, they saw pools of molten iron yeah. flowing. They called it molten steel, the first yeah. responder, flowing, flowing down, down the, the channel rails, rails yeah. like lava from a volcano. So is it possible that that could have worked its way down to the basement and then flowed downhill somehow? Uh, to four and ended up in these pools. So that's a question for you. Um, I think it's really doubtful. I think that the that the thermite that was found in the dust and the iron microspheres were a product of a highly explosive uh, demolition that start explosive demolition that started at the top of the twin towers um, and spewed all this material away from the building. Um, I mean, one of the first things that we saw was the bottom of the holes where these buildings were, and you could see steam or you know, you could see smoke, steam, whatever rising from the bottom of these cavities. So, yeah, I don't I don't believe that, excuse me, uh, what um, created the uh, heat was thermite, but I really don't know what it could have been. It could have been, uh, I, you know, in my opinion, it would have taken I don't know what you, this is where we really need to find uh, physicists and geologists that can collaborate and, and answer these questions. We have bedrock that we know generally the melting temperature of the bedrock. And by the way, I looked that up. It's about 25, 2600 degrees yeah. average for rock, yeah. which is less than this Fahrenheit, uh, yeah. uh, less temperature. Uh, heat required um, to melt steel. So yeah. steel melts at about 2,800 degrees. Yeah. So it's going to melt uh, before the steel even. And we know that thermite, for instance, gets to be about 4,000 degrees uh, upon ignition with molten iron at that temperature. Uh, but go ahead. All right. Um, you have to think about how much energy would be embodied in order to create that much heat uh, and have that uh, very, very distinct bullseye location for uh, a center and having two centers. Now, there, I, I can't answer the question. Uh, I don't have the knowledge or information about, uh, about uh, what compounds or what uh, type of devices may be used. A thermite may be capable of uh, melting uh, rock, but I just can't imagine how much it would take in order to do that work. 
Yeah. No, that's an incredible quantity uh, volume of rock uh, that 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 would have to have been uh, removed here. <clears throat> I mean, melted, if you will. And if it melted, um, where is the melted rock? I mean, um, yeah, you would think that would level out. If it was fluid, it would level out. But we see holes that are spherical. I, I can you know, after studying this for quite some time, there are a lot of things that I surmise and learn from looking at us other source material about, <clears throat> about what I would call extraordinarily energetic underground uh, explosions or events that are able to um, do a melt out to a boundary layer. And then uh, you, know, you know the cavities or caverns or cavities that are left. What happens is uh, if you have enough energy to vaporize and then subsequently melt as uh, you get further away from the center of the explosion, uh -huh. uh, <clears throat> they're all doing a different kind of deformation and, and damage to the uh, to this mineral, this you know this area of mineralization. Um, glass is formed. Uh, at, at that high a melting temperature, um, rock is fractured, uh, turns into actually uh, the, the word magma. It's heated to a point of it, minimally plasticity, not that it would flow, but that you could stick a piece of iron into it. Um, so there are different different uh, gradations of melting, and uh, the the magma would be uh, in this case here a point where it would uh, not flow anywhere because it's totally contained, but form a, a shell, a boundary layer where that melt zone stopped or where that thermal reactive zone stopped. Richard, I have to uh, disappear for about 15 seconds. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. And uh, I'll point out uh, some of the perhaps inconsistencies um, uh, the world, the damage at World Trade Center Four. Uh, you would think that it would be far more damaged if there was an event that could melt um, a hole in the bedrock, forty feet deep and forty feet wide. Uh, that's just my uh, thought about that, um, and. Uh, <clears throat> And here's another shot of building four. It, hey, it's not behaving. Um, oh, there we go. So um, it's uh, it's badly damaged, but <laughs> it had a fire in it. <clears throat> so that's what's going to happen with a fire. Anyway, what do you guys think? Um, we're going to now ask your questions on Facebook and YouTube, like Gail mentioned, and then we'll we'll bring back. Um, I'm back, uh, Lawrence. To uh, you want to take some questions? I, I was just pointing out, Lawrence, that this is Building Four. Yeah, right over the top. Yeah, of the uh, this Building Four. Um, you can see it right there, right over the top of these highly energetic events, as you're suggesting. 
Yes. But it's still standing. Yeah. Uh, doesn't look very pretty, but it's it's standing. Yeah. So you have a thought it's about steel, that? It's a steel low rise, Richard. It's a steel low rise. It should remain standing. There might be some <laughs> some diaphragms, like the roof was was collapsed by the debris that, you know, the perimeter wall. Uh, yeah, the, but the perimeter wall from top. But look what you're saying happened underneath it, yeah. with enough heat to melt forty feet wide by forty feet deep, two different holes, and yet the building itself is still standing. Yeah. If you go back to the original pictures, you can see that there's that sinkhole right in the central areas where those, you know, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, not that one, but the, uh, yeah, the one that, the uh, post one. Well, that was what we were just on. Right. Um, okay. Then it would be back to my website where the, where oh. you could see that the first, the first holes. Okay. So up above. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those, yeah. Those right there. That's what they discovered uh, when they removed the building from that site. When yeah. They removed all the steel. It, well, pretty much. I mean, you got a lot of tire tracks, and you see a little bit of uh, there are a couple of uh, uh, excavator tracks starting to go down into the cavity, <clears throat> cavity um, to the left, and you know the, the other cavity. They're they're starting to probe, but they're also doing the core drilling to see what's down there. Uh, what can we do? What do we have to do? Um, can we build on this? I and mean, they're doing a survey to find out what what the heck happened. Okay. What, what is there? What is this? So you're not sure how that building could be standing after an energetic event to melt this much rock? Well, that was um, neither. And uh, there's another thing that in this whole sequence of events, your your uh, presentation, by the way, of uh, the seismology of the day is key. Uh, to the synthesis, to the assembly of uh, this story. Uh, well, go ahead and explain that while I'm looking for it, because I can bring that up for you. All right. The um, the timing of this, you did a stellar job of uh, presenting the anomalies in uh, the, the way that they cooked the data and the way that you adjust, readjusted it to its original time using the... Uh, uh, Lamont Doherty uh, seismology, very, very reports. Um, and each one of these seism seismic events was attached very closely to the destruction of each of the towers and building number seven. There were a few lesser events, but there was the first event of the day that uh, William Rodriguez testified to. Uh, well, yes, and that was uh, right here. We have... Um... Uh, right yeah. here, the first plane impacted. We have a 0.9 magnitude event. Uh, second plane, uh, yeah, 0.9 magnitude event. Um, so it was near the time of the plane impacts, but um, just so everybody knows, um, it, it, it wasn't quite at the time of, of the impacts. Uh, because what we're looking at is the event happens uh, 14 seconds uh, before the plane impacts, according to NTSB radar, which is accurate to within a second. Did you have a comment on this one? Yes. Um, I have come to a conclusion uh, in a storyline. I cannot prove anything, but I've come to suspect that 
that event is probably uh, two very close to simultaneous explosions beneath building number four. And the heat created by those events created the steam that uh, you know scalded the skin off of uh, William Rodriguez's friend. He didn't have any kind of uh, um, like explosive trauma. Uh, he was in the basement and he came up out of the elevator from what I recall. Uh, and William said his skin was peeling off his body. And uh, that I would say that you know not necessarily a burn but from steam that was generated the heat uh, of whatever this explosion was created steam that goes wherever it can you could even see steam in some of the images some of the videos uh prior uh you know not not before the first plane struck because nobody was there but prior to the destruction of the towers uh you could see what appeared to be steam venting from around the foundations of the uh, of the buildings. Now everybody was taking videos of it, and I don't have any of those in my files. But uh, just for people, if they're interested in searching out uh, videos uh, of the buildings just prior to the explosive top-down demolition, you may see steam rising from the from below. Okay. Well, um, just to finish the the point about NIST. Um, they moved their data back. They, they said they don't agree with the NTSB radar, which is accurate within a second. So they did their, they watched their videos and, and so forth. And uh, they, they determined that it happened. Um, uh, what was it? Um, uh, a few seconds. Uh, and, and then they were still off by four seconds. So they went yeah. back to LDEO and got them to move their data back and a report that we can't even see. The second employee, plane impacts the South Tower, uh, 17 seconds um, before um, uh, or, or after the seismic events. And this says, oh, no, it was the plane. Uh, we looked at their our radar and our, our, our videos, and we determined that uh, it, it, was, it, it actually hit 12 seconds earlier, <laughs> completely denying the NTSB radar which is you know very very accurate so then uh, they get ldeo columbia university to make move their data back three more seconds but this is what i was trying to get to because uh, there are several witnesses of damage in the uh ex explosions in these explosions in the basement uh, a 300 pound steel and concrete fire door uh, wrinkled up like a piece of tin foil, a 50-ton hydraulic press, gone. Uh, so, yeah, there were explosions in the basement. Uh, what did you want to say about those, though? Well, yeah, there were. Uh, there was evidence of explosions uh, in the lower levels of the World Trade Center. And I'll you know, just say that, that that's inclusive, not necessarily the basement of that particular tower. Uh -huh. Um and that there was, uh, building number seven was far enough away that I don't believe the explosions affected the towers as much as, uh, again, I'll go back to building number four. And uh, I'm surmising that uh, the first explosions, I'll call them plural, possibly simultaneous, uh, occurred beneath building number four that, that did the damage in uh, the South Tower. Oh, okay. So um, not necessarily in the basement of the South Tower. Uh, 
but the, the again it was a seismic event so people are going to feel that even if they're not directly on top of it so you you think those explosions or, or high heat energetic events under building 4 uh happened um uh before the the uh well 14 or 17 seconds before the plane impacted the building yeah, before the first plane uh, impacted the first tower. Yeah. Is there evidence of steam coming up out of the ground at about that time? I have not done that analysis. I, I did some research and I had a couple of uh, videos that I was able to go to that I can't find anymore. I never saved them. Um, so anybody that's interested in doing any research in that area, um, uh, videos during that time period, if there's anything available out there. But I don't have that evidence, Richard. I've just seen some, I, you know, so I'm just bearing, te- you know, bearing witness to having seen them. I have no proof. Okay. Um, well, fascinating. Um, we're looking at a hero, by the way, uh, William Rodriguez. Just uh, saved a whole bunch of people and almost got killed several times. Uh, so uh, I just want to put in a plug for Willie. Um, Me too. Incredible story. Uh Google uh, William Rodriguez. He speaks all over the world. Yeah. Well, uh, the the seismic center, just for what it's worth, is um, twenty feet, twenty miles north of the World Trade Center, which is here. Uh, the seismic center in Palisades is is right about there. Uh, those are the different seismic centers. Um, um, Lawrence, do you feel like taking a few questions from our? Yeah. From our audience, that, yep. that would be real helpful. I will. Yep. All right, let's bring in our lovely assistant Gail. Hi, Gail. Hi, you guys. Ready Hello. for questions? Hey, we are ready. Awesome. All right. So this I'm is ready. The first. I don't have to answer them. Though. <laughs> oh, you can help. As me. long as. <laughs> okay. I think they're all for Lawrence. I hope Bill is answering some of these questions too, our geologist at large. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Um, So this first question is from David. He says, if the hole was created by heat from 9-11, then wouldn't the NASA thermal images have shown that? Um, Good question. Uh, Thermal images read uh, surface temperature. Um, Building number four structure was still uh, covering uh, that bedrock uh, and would have blocked uh, any direct thermal imagery. Um, You'd have to be able to penetrate down beneath the building in order to, you know, into into the the hole, into one of those, uh, you know, one of those sinkholes in order to measure the temperature at that point. Well, and let's see what they they do show. Um, we do have the NASA thermal imagery yeah. of the site on September sixteenth. Yeah. And uh, my my oh, I see what I did. It's user error, folks. Um, it, it usually is, unfortunately, isn't it? So. We're going to open this one. Here we go. And um, this is not, oh, I'll, I'll find the slide first and bring it to you. Not that one. 
but this one, here we go. Now, I'm trying not to look at you, Richard. Don't look at me. Um, you tell me what you think the thermal images are going to reveal, and then I'll show you if you're right or wrong. How's that? Okay. I'm pretty sure that they're going to reveal a good amount uh, around building number seven um, and uh, around the um, the base of each of the towers, but nothing around number four. All right. And let's see about that. And where? There they are. We got to go here. So we see um, a World Trade Center. One is here. Two is here. Four is may very well be. You you know this site a little bit better than I do. Well, that's not well well enough to find for me, Richard. I I can't really uh, you know. I can see I can see building number six. Got it. Got it. Got it. Good. 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 Yeah. But look, uh, I think it's I think it's closer to H. So well, I can so, see yeah I can see the hole in the top of building number six. So I have a good loca locale right now. Right. Uh, I, I can relate to the yeah the the location of D uh, the north the North Tower and uh, G and F generally around the uh, building number four in the South Tower. That's the South Tower, yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if H isn't. Um, see, the hottest there. stuff is is underneath the uh, where the towers were. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the, the uh, World Trade Center one and two south and north yeah. Yeah. north and south tower. So and then really, uh, yeah, could really be that H uh, is getting under. Building four, I don't know from here. I think that it probably is. That looks about the right location. It looks perfect. Okay. So, and there are a couple of other hot spots down there. Oh, good, good. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Here, here, here's this a little better, easier yeah. to understand. Um, now, so that section of four, four has a hot spot uh, on, the, on the left side of it. Now, uh, let's explain why it has just that one little or two little hot spots and say, and I surmise that. Uh, the possibility that the upper structure of the building was uh, taken away more in those areas, allowing the uh, heat signature of what was below it to be seen. That would be a simple explanation. Right, because those buildings were still standing. Yeah. Somehow. Okay, let's go to another question, guys. All right. The next question is from Madhava. He says, I admit that I know nothing of WTC4. What was in it? Do we know what was in it? I do, I've never done that study, but uh, my, my my focus is totally on the mechanicals, you know, the how things work. Uh, I've heard stories that um, uh, there may have been uh, vaults down there uh, that contained precious metals or other precious materials. I've heard stories that 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 those materials were removed, and if I were to get into any conspiracy theories at all, I would say they were destroying the lack of evidence. By if those indeed were areas where vaults were that the uh, explosives were placed, that being able to destroy the uh, the place where they were would essentially be destroying the evidence that they weren't and there anymore. I don't know how to explain it. I'm going to let go of that one. Well, I can okay. tell you this uh, from Wikipedia, uh, of, uh, um We've got um, uh, Deutsche Bank floors four, five, and six. 
and New York Board of Trade, floors seven, eight, nine, uh, if that helps. That's as tall as that building was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> we got most of them right there. It was a shorty. Okay. Yeah, yep. All right. Now, this next question is from Claudio. He asks, is Lawrence familiar with the New York Times article at Ground Zero, Scenes from the Ice Age? Yes, I'm very familiar with it. Okay. Awesome. Well, what about it? Uh, yeah, what about it? It's an interesting story. Yeah, that's all? <laughs> For me, Come that's on. what it is. It's a, it's a, it, it, it has to do, yeah, I read the article. I also, it comes right out of the geologist's report. So. Oh, okay. That's the official story that yeah. uh, the Ice Age, yeah. water melting from the glacier, end of the Ice Age. Yeah. Which they say was 12,000, I didn't know this, 12,000 years ago to something uh, like 200,000 years ago. That's quite a span of time. That's quite a span. <laughs> it's really interesting to think about the ice doing its work as it's advancing. And then the recession and what uh, was left before all the uh, Earth started building up on the Manhattan Peninsula. It's just a fascinating progression <laughs> of growth and, and uh, evolution. Really hard on buildings, too. It it can be. <laughs> yeah, they can get really... Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Our next question is from Harry. He says, were there any cracks in the rocks at the nuclear experiments? Uh, <laughs> Deer in the headlight look. <laughs> well, yeah, I've done a lot of observation of the nuclear test sites and, and uh, cavities that were... Uh, left and you know that's what I've used as a lot you know, for examples in in presenting this because I have no other source of energy that I can find that works. We're talking about a lot of heat, not necessarily a lot of pressure, although pressure is created when other you know when the minerals uh, vaporize, when water that's you know. Uh, permeated into this rock vaporizes so you do get pressure but most of the, the reaction in a nuclear would be um, uh, most of the energy goes into producing heat which then does these other things is that what's happening in this picture yeah um, it's a yeah that's the again I do not take the position that nuclear devices because I don't have the, the the expertise. I don't have the knowledge of that sort of stuff, but that's why we want to present it to the, the community and have uh, geologists and physicists and seismologists looking at all these events and being able to tie them together and say that there's a really good chance that this has caused this, this, you know, is evident, you know, cause and effect. Yeah, I yeah you know, uh, yeah. I, I know that I've got a lot of flack about nukes, and I, even though I highly suspect it because I don't know of any other technology, uh, there's nothing else that's been presented that I believe would be capable of okay. doing that type of work. Now, do you see anything from Bill uh, there, Gail? Um, a, oh, this is um, a image that you're showing me, here. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Richard. I'll, I'm just looking, um, just in case there were some comments that came in while we were asking the other questions. Um, uh, Lawrence, what are we looking at here? Uh, this is the uh, subsidence. I'll, I'll describe it. It is a subsidence crater. Uh, 
that is located beneath the South Tower. Um, the men in the orange closest to us are standing in a depression that is called Deep Hole in the damage reports. And that deep hole extends from the South Tower toward building number four. And in the post 9-11 topographic uh, map, you can see that there uh, is something different there also. Um, when they started, when they did that report, there's an end, an end detail that shows, uh, a, okay, great, great, Richard. And we do have uh, the, uh, the original image that we can really zoom in on. I, I sent that to you. But looking at this, um, see the Liberty Street, the large Liberty Street, and then there's something that looks like a spoon underneath it. I'll wait for you to get that. Yeah. Go ahead. That thing that looks like a spoon right under Liberty Street and it has that circle, that black circle. Yeah. Now, looking at the um, topographics at that point there, that is the end of what they call the deep hole. Uh, they have excavated it in order to get the uh, topographic uh, measurements. And you see details there that are very similar in the uh, sharpness and the steepness. That one there has, has better interpolation as far as the, you know, you can see that the, the lines are much gentler and curvier. But uh, that would be uh, probably in that area where the, um, uh, the till-filled valley uh, that went beneath the wall was. And I think that that was a place where that the energy could easily go uh, that created those form lines, actually create, actually melted uh, the rock uh, in that area. Okay. Um, open with photos. Uh, we've got uh, this file. Is this the, oh, is this the one that you were referring to? That's the pre. No, it would be the post, the one with the uh, uh, coral colors, so the uh, peach colors. Oh, okay, got it. Um, and that one is right here. And we'll bring that over. Oh, we have to download it first. That's not ah. fun. Um, <laughs> I think I might have Bill. Um, oh, good. Let me digress because uh, I know that sound. It's, it's somebody knocking on my door. <laughs> he did comment on YouTube uh, a little while ago, Bill did, and he said, it is likely that the sharp angles on the contours shown now are the result of computer interpolation exactly. algorithms. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, Richard and I talked about that, and we are uh, fully yeah. with those. Actually, the lack of interpolation, because they're going from point to point. Uh, and Bill, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, if, you're, you, if you have two points, here we go, you're anyway, there. You have two points, and there's a curve implied. You have, let's say, three points, one here, one there, and one there. You form a triangle. Then you could form a spline, a curve that goes between those points, which is interpolating. Sure. Okay. Thank you. And uh, Bill, uh, you are, uh, you were here, uh, said your device wasn't connected. So try again and we'll, we'll bring back a real live uh, geologist. We can Very cool. poke uh, him. While you're getting the other image up, I'm going to disappear for about another 15 seconds. So I'll be right back. All right. He's got to feed the dog. Very important. I got to beat him. 
You got to beat the dog. <laughs> okay, well, All right. Um, Gail, do you have any questions that I might be able to answer? Oh, there he is. Come on. Right there. All right. Uh -huh. We're on 13 now. And he's kind of right. right back. All right. Okay. Any questions I might be able to answer, Gail? Uh, let me look and see. Um, uh, let's see. I thought I heard somebody whispering. It was the dog. <laughs> you thought it was me. Yeah. It wasn't me. I wasn't whispering. Um, okay. Let's see. Well, mm, they're all pretty much they're temperature and heat-related questions and what effect they would have on things. But let me look. There might be. Um, oh, I know. You you might you might know the answer to this one. It's from watching all the videos of the buildings. Um, Ray asks. He says underground explosions would lift all the ground above in a sudden way. Buildings on top of that soil would move upward. Is there any video of whole buildings moving upward by that explosive blast? Good question. Like building four, which is sitting right on top of it. There, look at that building again. Go ahead. But there are no witnesses that I've heard from that were in building number four. Uh, I think that would be another good quest would be for uh, if anyone's still living uh, that was working in the building at that time to see what their uh, recall of, the, of their experiences were. But I, uh, again, it depends on the depth of the explosion. Uh, whether the, the work is done more towards the surface or deeper uh, in the in the bedrock or soil or wherever the explosion is. Now, this is building six. Uh, if you told me those uh, valleys were underneath building six, <laughs> knowing what we know about building six uh, with a huge hole in the middle of it. Well, I've, got, uh, I've got an explanation for that, too. <laughs> oh, you do? Well, let, yeah. me show, let me show people that hole. Let me find it. But what? Uh, you go ahead and explain it, and, and I'll uh, I'll find it for you. Um, I just have a very short sentence. North tower, north perimeter columns, structural steel blown away from the building, right on top of building number six, and caused the uh, roof and subsequent floors to fail due to structural overload. Wait, say that again. Okay. Uh, the north tower, north wall, the perimeter columns that were blown away from the north tower that landed on top of building number six caused the roof and subsequent floors to fail, a structural failure. Okay. So you don't think any of that was explosions at building six? No, it, it all. I mean, looking at all the the damage that was done on the inside, it looks as though something came in through the roof, and bent things downward. And there's a bunch of columns lying on the floor. Right, you can on, on the ground there. You can kind yeah, of see on the, on, the, on the lowest level. Um, yeah, all that stuff in the bottom of building number four appears to be uh, structural steel from the north uh, face of the, of the north tower. 
I believe it was uh, building six that firefighters uh, or uh, there was another witness um, seeing uh, molten uh, metal uh, uh, dripping from the, 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 the beams. Uh, maybe oh, that was the, the, uh, uh, the columns or whatever steel was. Right. Yeah. Now um, we're going to take another look at, especially the uh, North Tower and your seismology of the day, which states that that was a 2.3 and oh. there are certain waveforms. Um, there was a mass of what appears to be another mass of subsidence crater beneath uh, the North Tower. Um, larger, in my opinion, uh, the subsidence crater, the boundaries of it on the surface appeared to be larger in diameter than the uh, crater that uh, was in the location of the uh, South Tower. Okay, say that a different way. Okay, there were two, uh, there were explosions, size, size yeah, seismology uh, events recorded just before the collapse of the uh, South Tower and the North Towers. Okay. okay. Yeah, about would it be seven to ten seconds, something like that, maybe twelve seconds. Yeah, in the case of the of the North Tower, it's uh, nine seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, the tower starts descending, but the major Raleigh wave uh, doesn't occur for nine seconds later. Right. So, what what are you saying about that then? Well, uh, with the evidence that I discovered beneath building number four uh, of uh, you know, deep cat. You know, not that deep, but you know, lesser cavities. Uh, I'll also surmise that uh, the seismic event was much less, and of a uh, an indication that it was much uh, much closer to a surface explosion, where the events that occurred beneath the north and the south tower have a much sharper. You know, each one of the uh, these spikes here are, are ten, a hundred, a hundred times uh, the height of the former uh, scales that you had, which were only a ten magnification. So the picture that we're looking at right now, the 2.3 magnitude beneath the North Tower, um, is an indication of a deep explosion. Um, the diameter of the subsidence crater that I've been able to call it interpolating, uh, and that's on the website too, beneath the uh, North Tower is larger in diameter than the uh, crater beneath the uh, South Tower that has that end, uh, what they call the deep hole on Liberty Street, on the Liberty Street end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's jump to another question. All right. And this is Bill um, in the in our private chat. He asked a question. And, well, it's a question and a comment for Lawrence. He says, as a friendly skeptic and friend, I would urge you to identify logs for the geotechnical borings that were inevitably drilled to yeah. develop a foundation system designed for these huge buildings. I yeah. would expect sex, I would expect such construction plans and associated pre-construction reports and as built diagrams and reports to be contained within public records for the City of New York Building Department. This Perfect. would be a reasonable expectation for any project of this size, not to me. Yeah. Yeah. And for a FOIA request uh, in, in the early 60s, these, these were probably done. 
Well, then we're talking about the post 9 11 uh, borings also, especially. Right. But I can see their excuse of not wanting to release that information based on that it's not government work, or maybe it was government well, work. At that point, there was a crime scene, Richard. So, yeah. well, you, you and I agree it was a hell of a crime scene, but um, we have um, them calling it uh, an act of war. So they weren't bound by the uh, preservation of evidence in a crime scene yeah. that uh, most crime scenes are. Yeah. I concede. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next. <laughs> Ready for the next question? Yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely concur that that evidence is crucial uh, in order to find out the composition of the stone, of the rock from there. Yeah. Bill, thank you for, uh, you know, for bringing that up, and we did talk about it yeah, earlier. Good point. Really good point. I I noticed there's a pretty long delay from my, in my movements on the video, so there's like a three second delay from the time I. That's why moved. I'm not reading your lips. <laughs> yeah, so so if it seems kind of weird, that's why it's, it's okay. uh, that's totally that's off right now. Worse. How okay. are my lips, Lauren? <laughs> Do I look normal? Do I look? There's a normal? delayed reaction with yours too. Huh, okay. So, all right, next question. Um, Ray, this is from Ray. He says, you say heat created the shaping of the rock formation. What did the heat do with the bedrock? How did it change the bedrock? Did it melt the rock formation? Was it lava? I always venture to say yes to all of those questions. Uh, magma, lava, uh, when you heat rock enough, it turns to a plastic and uh, and it becomes more viscous as it gets hotter. Uh, there's a lot that I don't know about geology and, the, and, and uh, molten rock flow. But, um, yeah, it would be called a magma, which lava is. Well, we don't see that in the holes we were just looking at. I mean, I, I look at the magma flowing from Kilauea in, in yeah. Hawaii and it just kind of does not look like that. No, uh, but if you were to create a, a, a lot of heat in the middle of the bedrock, you could imagine that, um, and you got the heat source that was hot enough to melt the rock, that that's what it would look like, except it wouldn't be flowing. It'd be an orange ball of molten rock that would then solidify. Some would you know, precipitate out uh, different you know, elements and minerals would go in different places. Uh, now that the rock was disassociated from itself as being a mineral, it's now like heated to a point where everything just becomes its fundamental, you know, components. The the uh, quartz, the uh, other silicates. Yeah, you know, there, uh, there's a lot I don't understand or know about geology and about about the effects of heat on stone. But this is all. Uh, you know, this is what I imagine uh, goes on. I've never seen a, a, a the whole progress in, in a stop action or, or a very, very you know, quick action photograph of what happens from that moment. I imagine there, uh, you know, to, to create a spheroid form like that there. Yeah. I let go of this one for now. Okay. All right. This next question is from Jana. She asked, if it was thermite, the metal should be found in the holes, not... Uh, so, if it was thermite, um, and if this was a heat, extreme heat event, and if it was thermite, uh, they would have found uh, tons 
of molten iron. Now, let's say, let's say whether it was molten iron or molten rock, uh, maybe it would be clean enough to scrape it off and scrub the evidence and haul it away without letting anybody know. I mean, I don't know. That's what they do. That's what they did on the site. They just hauled everything away. Uh, it'd be great Still to be hauled away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a question from Madhava. He asks, is it possible that these gaping holes were instead created in a controlled fashion surreptitiously in the days before 9-11 in order to extract the precious metals stored in its basement? I, I can't <laughs> quite get into that. Uh, Tunneling into the basement to 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 do the heist. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid I can't get into that. It's, it, you know, <laughs> it's quite work for me. Yeah, I'll let somebody else speculate on that. Yeah, that's quite a speculation, Madhava. His mind is working. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you it's for, always working. For making you smile, too. Okay. Um, this is a question from Ray. He says, what does Ray, uh, Lawrence think about the molten steel gushing out of the South Tower right before it came down? Okay. What was the cause of that? Well, I would say that it was not gushing, but it was like uh, gently uh, uh, pouring uh, whenever there was a, a burst of energy. Uh, yeah, uh, I believe they were cutting the corner of the tower at that time with thermite. Okay. And just you know, also, uh, there's this video that is so uh, extremely telling. I've run through this with you, Richard, uh, uh, regarding the... Uh, uh, the onset of collapse before the explosive top-down demolition was, be, became evident. Watching the, the antenna dropping and then watching the, the onset of the explosive top-down uh, demolition of the buildings, which is also uh, contributing to uh, the theory that support was removed for the core structure and pretty much complete, rather than having, the core structure was contained by the perimeter structure even if the core structure had been compromised, it wouldn't have fallen. So that moment before the collapse of uh, the North Tower, the one with the antenna, I believe the North Tower was with the antenna? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure which building we were watching, but there is this video clip that shows that and shows the corner as it, just before the explosive demolition, you can see the corner shifting just a little bit on itself and descending. Uh, then whoever did the video uh, zoomed out, and then you could see the explosive uh, top-down demolition uh, proceeding. Yes. So during that uh, clip, you can also see that the uh, perimeter columns are being pulled in by the connecting trusses, the floor trusses that connect to the core columns. So you've got your core column, then you've got your floor trusses attached to the core columns. I'm sure... My left right is reversed in this. <laughs> so I'm having a hard time moving in which direction, but I got it now. And then the perimeter columns are attached to the floor uh, to the floor columns. And as the core descended, you could see that the, per the floor trusses were pulling the perimeter columns in. And that's about the time that the explosive top-down demolition started uh, proceeding. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, is there another question, Gail? Okay, this is from Ray. He asks, 
he says, most destruction caused by a nuclear explosions are due to blast effects. How can Lawrence say only heat was the cause if he thinks it is nuclear? Oh, that, well. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I love that one. Um, that's a reason that nuclear testing went underground. And again, I do not take the position that this is a nuclear device. There could be other devices that are capable of doing this work. But in lieu of other uh, examples, uh, yeah, uh, under uh, nuclear testing was brought underground and uh, that energy is essentially all contained. It will do some upheaval. Uh, depending on how deep it is and how powerful it is. Uh, it will create different forms of subsidence craters depending on what the form of what, what minerals or sand or rock or gravel or uh, bedrock that they, they're uh, set in. Have I answered okay. that? <laughs> you did good enough for me. If he comes up with another with another one, yeah, it's too bad I can't just answer questions in real time. But I'm absolutely fine with this. It's good. It allows me to really focus on the on the thought process. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the, this is another question from Jana, and she asks the name of germ the name of German scientist which has an alternative nuke theory is Heinz Palmer. Do you yeah. know him? Have you heard of? No, I don't know him. I think I'm. I've, I've read a couple of alternative theories about nukes and it, they're interesting, but the whole thing about uh, forming a subsidence crater to uh, remove support for the core columns has become my pet. Uh, essentially, they put a lot of stress on the connecting, uh, the connecting, the connections where the uh, trusses met the core and the perimeter structures. So pre-stressing it may have been very well planned in a component of the demolition and just ensuring that it would come apart. So I, that's the thought process that went into part of these, you know, this presentation. Go ahead. Okay, and I don't see any more questions. Um, I do want to say though that there was one person who commented from LinkedIn. So we are getting questions from LinkedIn if you're viewing the video from there. So um, he didn't have a question. He just was commenting that he was on LinkedIn. So I, I yeah. do see one from Gene. Uh, he seems to say, does Richard think this was thermite? Oh, oops. I missed that one. Yes, I put it in there and then I missed it. So go ahead. Oh, okay. I just, I didn't know if you had a reason. I think that was the only one I missed. Missing it or not. But Gene, um, uh, uh, you're asking me, first of all, do I think this was a high heat event? And I have to suggest that I haven't seen enough evidence to convince me of that yet, like Lawrence is convinced that it was a high heat event. Had I been convinced that it was a high heat event, I would certainly favor the thermite hypothesis over the, the mini uh, or major uh, nuclear event uh, hypothesis because I can't, I don't believe that building four would be standing. Uh, and I believe we'd have a whole lot more background radiation. Uh, I believe that we'd have a blast uh, that um, not only would have wiped out building four, but everything around it. Uh, for uh, for a hundred yards or a thousand yards, I don't know, you know, something like that. I believe that we'd see a, a, an incredible a light source, uh, much, much, much 
hundred times brighter than the sun is what they say, or, or maybe a thousand, I forget the number. Um, so all of those reasons are the beginning of um, my doubt about a nuclear event. But uh, I'm, I'm even having doubts that it was a, a high heat event. Uh, I think what we need is testing of the, of the remaining rock to find out. Well, it's it's already been it's already been uh, 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 filled now at this point, hasn't it, Lawrence? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I don't know why they would waste energy uh, filling it uh, unless they wanted to hide it. Well, there's a new building four going in somewhere. Oh no, it's on. It was built uh, very shortly after uh, building number seven, I believe. So I'm not, I'm not sure when building number four was built. But this hole doesn't exist anymore, right? That's all been filled, hasn't it? Well, it's been covered. Covered with? Well, uh, if you look in uh, further down in, in this, you can see that they're putting in uh, piers and foundations. They're concrete oh. forms. Yeah, let's look where, where it is today. Yeah. So down well, below here. The original picture. Uh, you've gone down too far at this point. Oh. Although uh, you can see, uh, you go up a little bit further. Hold it right there. Um, in the left picture, um, the lower picture, you can see that there are concrete formwork and there were walkways going in. They're keying into the uh, the bedrock at that point and putting in uh, uh, piers for the new building number four. So that thing in the right hand, upper right-hand corner of the lower left picture in this uh, image is one of the new uh, foundations or piers for uh, the new building number four. Here. Yep, over to the right more. Whoops. Yeah, that little block that looks like a concrete wall uh, yeah. in the upper right-hand corner there. So they're starting to uh, place forms for the new building at that point. All right, so they might not have spent the money to fill it if they're going to be putting in load-bearing uh, uh, columns and beams. Um, okay. It's a really good question. I mean, that would take a lot of material to fill it. Uh, I've had my own fantasies about going down there and playing the blues. You could get stuck down there. I could get <laughs> stuck down there. <laughs> I hope you take your musical instruments because you probably... I would, take my, I would take my tenor saxophone into that hole and I would wail. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been an incredible uh, evening of learning uh, for all of us, and I appreciate it so much, Lawrence. Uh, any, any final thoughts? Um, and where can people find your work? Well, you've got the website, 911 uh, Synthesis. So if anyone's interested in contacting me about it, that's where. Um, and on Facebook, all my information is uh, public. There's no secrets on Facebook. So if anyone wants to get in contact with me, you could put both my uh, homepage on Facebook and the link to the 911 uh, Synthesis Wix website. Yeah. So this is the Facebook page here, right? That's my, yeah, that's my page. You see, I wear it. <laughs> I wear building number four is post um, 9-11 topographic and cross-section. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, I'm glad you brought this to our attention today. Any other thoughts? Um, no. That, thank you for allowing me to give the presentation. Uh, oh, you're so welcome. Really great questions. and. Uh, you no got problem. it. No closing argument. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're delighted to have had you. And 
Uh, thanks everybody for for joining in today. I've got a, a closing thought for you. It, it goes like this. Uh, and here we go. Thank you for joining us on yet another informative and soul-stirring episode of Richard Gage 9-11 Unleashed. We'll be on the air again next week with another very special guest in the 9-11 Truth Movement and beyond. Visit us at richardgage911.org where you can find our schedule, learn about the WTC evidence, and of course, sign up for our emails and support us. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Subscribe.